We've got a good number present tonight, and I want to join with Josh and this congregation to welcome those who are visiting. I have some friends of mine from years past who are here, and it's sure good to see you, and thank you to everybody who's come, and thank you for all the, the thoughtfulness you've given to our studies over these last four days. I really have enjoyed the conversation, some of them around a, a, a table or a a car or in a garage or other places standing in the foyer. I only wish we'd had more time to talk about these things, but I do want to say I really have enjoyed it, and thank you so much for inviting me and for giving me the assignment to talk about elders in a local church. I appreciate it, and these lessons have done me good. I sure hope that they have helped others too. appreciate Josh's kind words. Um, we love Josh and Tiffany and, and Hattie. She's my special friend. She'll be my friend for a long time. But uh, we love them, and I know you all do too. May God bless your all's work together as everybody just rolls up their sleeve and just kicks in with all you got, and you work together loving each other and praying for each other and holding each other up. Um, just keep doing that and just... There is no telling what God can do with his people. Uh, he once turned the world upside down with just a handful of disciples who were faithful. And, and I think about that every time I imagine what God can do with a group of faithful Christians in a location who team up like God wants them to do and work like God wants them to do. There's just no telling. May God bless all of you. Thank you for uh, your kindness toward Kim and I, hospitality and so many good things and so much encouragement. We've had a fun time here these last four days. I've, I really have appreciated Kim coming with me and, and all the things you've said about that exactly right. And uh, She's had a lot of good memories this week, too, so thank you all for all of that. Dan and Kathy have uh, taken us in their home. We've, we've had a, just a fun time over there in the McKibben household. We've been up late and and around the table and walking and a lot of other things. And we love the, them and have, have for a number of years. Appreciate their work in the, in the kingdom of God in a lot of different ways and ways that not a lot of folks can do. And we um, appreciate and love them. So you all keep going and just let the Lord lead you and fill you and be seen in you so that you work together in such a way that makes God shine in the eyes of everybody who sees what you guys are doing here. May you live so that you make God shine. I started out this uh, series of lessons on Sunday morning and talked about a number of things that we've sought the will of God. We've read the Bible and, and know that He has revealed His will and His mind to us in the, in the Scriptures. And we've talked about what He calls upon us to do and how... We're, how we're to look at our lives of service and use the gifts that He's given to us. And He's given everybody, everybody here who's a Christian, uh, given you gifts to use. And the qualifica- work and the qualifications of elders and local congregation, their responsibilities and where do elders come from and so forth. And, and so, I got, to, I got to add this lesson tonight. And... And it's a different kind of lesson. We're, we're not, we are looking into the mind of God. We're looking at, into the mind of God through the mind of elders. And the title of this lesson is An Elder's Wish List. 
And I, I want I want you to invite I want to invite you to join me as we go to a place that doesn't get a lot of visitors. And that is inside the mind and the heart of an elder. And what does he wish for? And and I hope you'll enjoy thinking about this. And I'll I'll tell you it has been a an important and helpful thing for me to think about. I started this I, I started this journey by examining my own heart from my limited work as an elder. When I stop and kind of sit and think about things for a while, what 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 do I wish for for my relationship with the church over which I serve as one of the elders, one of the overseers? And then later I thought, that's not very, I need more help. And so I made a list of some men I know who serve as elders and whose, whose lives and work and reputation uh, reveal that they, they know what they're doing. They're doing their work well. And I, I wrote them uh, emails, and I don't know how many different fellows there were, but I wrote him and I asked him this question. What one or two items would be at the top of your wish list as it relates to serving as an elder? And um, as you might expect, I got back some very thoughtful, very thoughtful answers to that. Some of which, some of them I'm going to share with you by reading some of what they wrote. And in other ways, I'll not be quoting them, but this lesson is filled with the things that fill the heart of men who are shepherds in the Lord's church. The first thing I want to say about them, the, the elders' wish list, is they wish for elders to shepherd and you're going to have to let me explain that just a little bit. Of all the terms that the Holy Spirit could use to describe this work that we've been talking about for these four days, of all the, the terms, it's really remarkable that the Holy Spirit chose to use the word shepherd. These men, as they work together, are to have a, a very clear focus Their responsibility is to care for sheep, to care for Christians who are seen as working together as sheep. They are to feed and to lead and to protect. And Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 say that that these men, these pastors, they're to work to equip all of the saints among whom they work. They're to equip all of everybody else for work of service. So they're trying to get you going. Trying to get you up on both feet, with your eyes going in the right direction, with your heart beating fast, with your faith burning inside of you, and, and you are giving every day, in every way, all that you've got. These men are trying to get you there. And help you stay there. 
In local churches, there are bills to be paid. But elders are not business managers. In local churches, there is a need for leadership. But elders are not bosses. They're not lording it over a congregation. And they are not authoritarian. In local congregations, there's a need for things to be fixed that are broken. Plumbing needs to be taken care of. Signs need to be fixed. Windows need to be replaced. But elders aren't subcontractors. Not maintenance men. They have a a responsibility. And that responsibility is none of what I just mentioned. Help Help them to stay where God wants them to be. Help them to stay there. A lot of things need to be taken care of. They have a very special responsibility. As shepherds, they meet together. They pray together. They invest their time and energy, their focus, to the saving of souls that are entrusted to their oversight. But having described shepherds like that, I want to say this, that not everybody who serves as a shepherd sees their work that way. And so I want to say, first of all, that elders wish for a true and trusted partnership within the eldership. So I'm taking you behind the closed doors now. And I want you to hear from elders that their wish, and this came from, uh, I don't know if all of them, but many of them said that, that they wish that the other men serving with them saw their work as elders like they do. And of course, implying that that's not always the case. Elders wish for spiritually minded co-workers Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says this, but the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the qualities. That is the fruit. That, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. That is the outward evidence. The fruit that will be born when the Spirit is working and leading and guiding within someone. And it is an inevitable thing. The outward sign will be the fruit of what's happening on the inside. And elders wish for their fellow elders to be men who bear the fruit of the Spirit, who are men of love and joy and peace. Men who are patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and exercise self-control. They wish for this true partnership with others who have a cleared and a clear and shared vision of what their work is. And they are committed together to the singular work of saving souls. And they each day wake up with a sense of that responsibility. It is not an ego trip. It's not a power thing. It's, they're not enhancing their reputation. They're not following in their family's footsteps. 
They're walking in the footsteps of Jesus and they wake up every day aware of that. And they take that responsibility seriously. And elders wish that every other elder that they worked, that they work with would see that work the same way. It's this, and, and, and in, in various walks of life, you'll know what I mean when I talk about needing to know that you're working with somebody who's got your back. You know what I'm talking about? You work with somebody and you know they've got your back. You get into a tight spot, you know where they're going to be. If it gets tough, you know what they're going to say. You know how they're going to handle things. And, and you trust them. They're going, to, they're going to back you up. They're going to help you up. They're going to be there. Elders wish for other elders to have their back. So that when things get rough, you can trust these guys. They're not going to bail. They're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit. They're going, to, they're going to do what the chief shepherd over them does in helping them. And that's where they get their marching orders, and that's what they're going to do. In this relationship, there is the support and encouragement and uh, this shared mutual uh, shared trust and mutual uh, uh, shared work and mutual trust among them. No one is seeking an advantage. There are no suspicions as to what someone's motives are or what they might do in a certain situation. It makes everybody a little bit tense and a little bit on edge. There's none of that. Elders wish for a true and trusted partnership within the eldership. Now, if I can now open those doors and take you from what is behind those closed doors, when the elders work together, now I want to take you out on the other side of that. Because elders wish for brothers and sisters to see their work as shepherds. Now I'm going to read in a moment uh, from an elder who expressed this far better than I think I can. But it's one thing to... to uh, say that elders are also called shepherds. And for a a church to hear these sermons and uh, appreciate them, it's good, it's one thing for a church to know that these men are called elders and shepherds and pastors and presbyters and bishops. And, you know, you got that down and, you know, academically you understand all of that. But now I want to take you where the elders wish you to go. Elders wish for you to see them and relate to them as shepherds. I don't have permission to tell you who these men are. Uh, Some of them I think you'll know. And you can look at this later if you want to. But uh, here's what one of them said about this very subject. What really tops my list is the wish that brethren would see me as a shepherd. As a shepherd who cares for them. And not as an executive who sits atop a corporation to make and hand down decisions about the mundane concerns of the church. 
This, of course, is probably the fault of elders. We fail to break down that wall between us and the brethren and develop a relationship with the brethren that encourages or makes them feel free to come to us on their own for instruction, encouragement, answers to problems, reproof or correction, confession, and request for prayers. The perception of our role as an office is faulty and needs clarity in the minds of the brethren. And then later he says, My point concerns the perception of elders and their role. Do they think of us and call for us when they have spiritual needs? Or do they think of us as men who can bind up the wounds of the inward man who is hurting by applying and administering the healing power of God's Word and praying with them to the God who cares and provides? Brethren need to see elders. Brethren need to understand the, the role and the desire of elders to shepherd. And they are not, uh, what was it, uh, they, they are not an executive who sits atop a spiritual corporation handing down mon, uh, decisions about the mundane concerns of the church. Shepherds work with a flock. They're a part of a family a spiritual family, but they share experiences in that spiritual family. Hospitality is one of the qualifications for an elder, and they are at work. They want to be at work to break down this wall that that they sense, maybe you do too, that, that separates them. Because from from their life, from their family's life, and from their work. They're not separate. They're fellows with you. They love you. And they, they, they want you to trust them, to help them, and to see their work as, as uh, shepherding. The ultimate goal might be, and this is my insertion, the ultimate goal would be that when elders come to your door and knock on the door, there is not a gasp on the other side of the door. It's a, oh no, the elders are here. What have we done wrong? That, that, that it, if, if what I'm talking about right now came true, there would be no more gasps. They'd be, you'd be happy to see them. There is nobody you trust more. There's nobody you, nobody you know whose love you can be more confident of than the love that these men have for you and your soul. They have your good in mind. That is, in, that is, That is in their heart. And when they come to see you, they come for good. And for that, for that family love and appreciation and welcoming to exist with the understanding that they're helping me and my family to go to heaven. And I love them for that. We pray for them and we are grateful to God for them. And for that, that interaction to exist represents one of the top concerns 
of an elder's wish list. Sometimes elders try to break down this, uh, this barrier by having meetings with the church. And some of them, some elders in some places will meet uh, periodically with the men. And then on other occasions meet with the women. Sometimes there'll be entire congregational meetings. They may meet every month. They may uh, address the church every year or in some other way. Some elders uh, reserve part of a bulletin. And each week they'll be writing uh, from the perspective of an elder things that they want to communicate to the congregation. They'll try to visit. Sometimes an eldership will try to visit in the home of all of the members every year and then make themselves available. Perhaps they meet at the building once a month after Wednesday night services or something. And they make themselves available. And announcements are made that we are meeting here. We're going to be staying over after services for as much as much time as going to be here. If you'd like to talk to us, we'd love that. Please, please plan to do that. In, in these, and I'm sure many other ways, elders are trying to, to make themselves available and, and, and be helpful in this shepherding kind of work to which God has called them. One of the men who responded to my, my questions uh, quoted somebody else and said this, as they were talking about the, the need of elders to perfect this, um, this empathetic listening. They said, uh, seek to understand rather than to be understood. Someone who sees their work as primarily authoritarian, then they will speak hoping that you understand what we are saying. The elder who spoke to me about this matter said, no, no, no. The, this kind of shepherd I'm talking about is seeking to, to understand rather than to be understood. And I think it was D. Bowman who, apart from any reference to eldering, had this to say. Everything is about relationships. The rest are just details. And that might be a, a little dab overstatement. I'm not sure I would say that. But everything is about relationships. And elders wish for you to understand their awareness of that and their desire for that. And they realize their responsibility to break down that wall and they invite you to join them in breaking that down as well. So that we are together, we are a family, and we are working and going in the same direction. <clears throat> Communication, uh, elders and uh, members all seeing their work together is just extremely important. Uh, but one of the, one of the elders who re- responded to me said this, I wish members who are struggling would seek help before they get beyond help. Listen to uh, an an expanded version of that same statement. I have noticed more than a few seasoned elders tell me that people are bringing us their problems, uh, marital infidelity, unfaithful children, serious debts, and so forth. They are bring, bringing us their problems 
but just much too late. As one elder elder described it, they are bringing us their problems at 11 o'clock. And there is so little we can often do. Our options many times are limited at that point. Oh, why? Oh, why won't they come and see us and share with us their deepest needs at one or two o'clock? Let the shepherds in. Let the, let the shepherds in to the struggles that you have in your life, in your marriage, with your children. Let them in so that they can help you. That is the work that God ordained them to do. He, he, he put this church thing in place to operate just like that. We all need help. Let them in. Not at 11 o'clock, but at 1 or 2 o'clock. Where they can, they can begin to help and pray as God would like them to do. Not before it's too far gone. Elders wish to be trusted and they wish to be utilized. So the issues on both sides of this really do deserve serious attention. I mean, on either side, the elders' efforts to do this and a congregation's efforts to do that as well. I want to take you now to uh, a, 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 the story is in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6 where these captives return from um, Babylonian exile from 70 years and they come back to Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. They've been broken down for a long time. And Nehemiah, who's not a builder nor especially a leader, um, but he cares and he's faithful to God and he calls the people and he says, here's our situation. We need to get, we need, we need to address this. Someone might have said, the Bible doesn't tell us they said this, these walls have been broken down for a long time. Nobody, my grandpa never fixed this. My dad never fixed this. Why should we be really involved in doing this as well? Didn't, didn't think like that. In fact, what Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 says is they, they had a mind to work. Elders wish for a congregation in which everybody who is a member of that local congregation has a mind to work. Let me see if I can illustrate to you what it sometimes feels like from the elder's point of view. You ever pushed a heavy wheelbarrow? A real heavy wheelbarrow? I know a lot of people here have done that a whole lot more than I have. I want you to imagine that heavy wheelbarrow, and I want you to imagine as you're a base of a hill, and your job is to push that heavy wheelbarrow up that hill. You're trying to get it up, you're trying to get it moving, you're trying to get it where it needs to go, but it's hard, and you're pushing it with everything you've got. But the moment you stop pushing, you know what happens to that wheelbarrow? It doesn't keep going. The moment you stop pushing, the wheelbarrow just rolls right back on you. Sometimes that's exactly how it feels from an elder's point of view. They're trying to get people to go in the right direction. Trying to get them to love the Lord with all their heart. Watch out what you're doing with your children. It seems sometimes that parents don't see 
the tragic oversights that are occurring in their family. And an elder might bring that to your attention and sometimes it just doesn't seem to resonate. They just don't see it. And elders are trying in a lot of different ways to push, I know, lead, but my illustration, to push people into the right direction. And as soon as they stop pushing, it just everything seems to roll back. Okay, now, let me use that same illustration. Let's turn it around a little bit. Imagine that you are got that heavy wheelbarrow, and you're at the top of that hill. And your assignment now is to push that wheelbarrow down that hill. And you know what that's going to be like? That's going to be exciting. You're going to have to run with all you've got to keep up with that thing and to keep it going in the right direction, keep it balanced. But you're going to have to go. That thing is heading downhill and you better go after it to keep up. Now that's what elders would like. Men and women, boys and girls who are running full steam ahead. They understand what this is about. We are not citizens of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We have come to know the Savior and we are, we have committed our lives to Him and here we go. And, uh, elders are trying to keep up. That, that is, that's the picture they'd like. People who have a mind to work. We're after it. Let's go. Now I know there's two ways of going about that. You try to push uphill if you want, and then there are those who are who are fast after it. I mentioned at the early at the onset of this lesson, Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven and twelve, where uh, pastors, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are equipping the saints for the work of service. So uh, every every servant of the Lord is to be serving. They're to be going downhill voluntarily at full speed, with their faith in Christ. With the goal of going to heaven, clearly set before them. Now, from an elder's point of view, I want you to imagine this. They have become Christians, and they have walked with the Lord to spiritual maturity, and and they see the importance of faith in Christ, and they've lived long enough to see through the deception of this world that this world has nothing to offer. It really doesn't. And when the glitter appears, it is just that. It's temporarily glitter that is hiding the depravity of this world. This is a broken place. And to invest or or to give our lives to this world It's a tragedy. It leads to brokenness and sorrow in this life and to be altogether unprepared for the judgment and for eternity to follow. And elders know that there is a heaven and a hell and they have spent time thinking about these realities. And so the opportunity to be a Christian, to be be rescued from condemnation, to be introduced to to a hope that is eternal in nature and a joy that nobody can take away. To anticipate being in the glory of heaven with our Creator forevermore. And they, they see that, they're trying to grow in that direction, and they're trying to help other people get that way. You got that picture? You see how an elder's looking at all this? Now imagine this. 
that the, that the problem in front of the elders is that there are Christians in the congregation over which they're overseeing, and those Christians don't even attend regularly. I want you to kind of think through, I don't know the word, the the agonizing disappointment and frustration. Given all that Christ has done for us, and you can't even get Christians to attend regularly? Are you kidding me? Sunday night is too much. Wednesday night, a gospel meeting, that's just asking too much. Let's just suppose this. Suppose you're a high school senior, and you made your way through high school okay, and right toward the end of the year, somebody comes out of nowhere, and they present you with the opportunity to go to a prestigious school, a full ride, all expenses paid. And at the end of that four years of college, you have a guaranteed, high-paying, successful job that's also going to be handed to you. And you say, thank you. And that fall, you head off to that prestigious school. And you won't even go to class. Are you kidding me? Look what's been given. Look at the opportunity you have. And you won't even set your alarm and get up and go to class. Are you kidding? Now, if you can see that illustration, I mean, magnify that a thousand times. And you're not close to the kind of privilege and blessing and opportunity that is set before all of us through Jesus Christ and the plan of God that existed from from before the foundation of the world. And you and I are the recipients of the climax of that plan that has brought the Son of God into this world to die for our sins, that we might be rescued from that and have hope and live a life that makes a difference in this dark world and folks can't even be made to attend regularly? Okay. You know, I don't, I don't know what you're... I don't, know if, I don't know if you see what I'm trying to say. But I want you to take, I want to take you inside the gut of a, of a, of an elder. And it is wrenching right now. How do you, what do you say? How do you, how do you fix this? How do you get the fire going in someone who has once become a Christian and I imagine have seen some of these things, but this is what they're doing? All these privileges extended to them and this is how they're responding to that? In Proverbs chapter 27, there is a real interesting little verse at verse number 23. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. <laughs> okay, there's the, there's the charge. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. Know well what's going on there. That certainly is the work and responsibility of one who is an elder. Elders wish, as they observe the flock, as they pay attention to the herd, 
They wish that everyone understood that the most spiritual growth takes place beyond the meeting house doors. Elders wish that people understood that. Now, what happens inside this this building and inside these doors is important. There are things the Lord has commanded us to do, and they're really, really important that we do them. But elders wish that everyone would understand that the most of spiritual growth depends on what happens outside of these doors. Bible classes are important. Sermons are important. But they are like, I don't know, I take vitamins every day. I take a probiotic every day. All right? That supplements and hopefully helps my health. That's kind of what Bible classes do and good preaching does and things that happen in here. That's, it's, it's supplementing our growth. But you know where real spiritual growth takes place? It takes place when nobody, where nobody else really sees. Maybe uh, in addition to what you do privately, what you do with your wife and your children, what you do at home. Kids go to school or, or they're out in the world and they come home and they've got difficult decisions to make or they're being pushed or influenced in, a, in, in the wrong kind of way and, and a family sits down together and they open the Bible and they say our family is built upon what God teaches. So let's, let's see what God would have us do here. And they, they talk about it and they, they, they seek the counsel of God or the language used in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4 is that fathers don't provoke their children to anger, but they bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The, the dad creates an environment in his home in which the Lord is doing the instructing, in which the Lord is doing the disciplining. And so in the context of this home, it's where the private stuff happens. The, the prayers that are that they're, they're offered and 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 the real things that make for spiritual growth that happen every day in an irregular and quiet way, and elders wish that everyone understood that and is blessed by what supplements that, but they never get confused and and overlook what happens privately, and so in people's homes, hospitality is born. A husband and wife are doing visiting. With their children, they're helping others. They try to teach others the gospel. Seek and pray for opportunities to do that. God gives them open doors and they give it a try. They try to teach others and help others. Christianity is not defined by going to church. I want to say that again. Christianity is not defined by going to church. Our assemblies together are the result of what happens with faith and love for Christ that's in our hearts and brings us together to do collectively what the Lord has said. And we have already seen, we already have that desire to do whatever the Lord says. And that brings us together. And so our church assemblies help us grow as Christians, but they are not the definition of what that is. So elders wish for more initiative among the members. Initiative that leads them to make visits, care for the sick, watch out for those who are visiting with us, check on the welfare of other people. 
use the gifts that God has given them, full speed ahead, elders' wish list contains a desire for that kind of response to Christ among all the members. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 4. A passage we've read together a couple of times and we'll, we'll uh, end with this one. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Elders' wish list includes this. That everybody's eyes would be on the chief shepherd. There is included. They know and they are following the chief shepherd. They pray for wisdom. Wisdom that they might be, elders might be more discerning. They might act in a timely fashion, sometimes more quickly, sometimes more slowly. But they pray for wisdom. As they seek to follow the good shepherd, that that shepherd would give them wisdom to shepherd as the Lord does. One man that responded to my questions uh, chose to put on his wish list the things that keep his own faith strong. And it was helpful to me to reflect on that, and I'll say to you too, be mindful of the struggles within the faith of the men who serve as elders. And he said this, I keep myself excited by my own study. And his wish was that he would just keep, apart from the distractions, apart from the troubles, apart from the frustrations, he would not forget the importance of Bible study and the maintaining of his own faith. I keep myself excited by my own study, and that is vitally important. Elders are to be examples, but they are to be examples not to lead people to themselves, but they are examples that lead people to Christ. So members are to keep growing, so the elders need to keep growing. The members are to use their talents and abilities and the the gifts that God has given to them, and elders are to use those gifts given to them as well. And so a healthy church is one in which everyone is growing. The elders are, all the members are, and it is a team that is effectively working together. So God is glorified when a family of Christians does this. They work together in this great and teamwork sort of way. Thank you for these... um, six meetings and these four days. Thank you for thinking through God's plan as it relates to elders overseeing local congregations. Thank you for stepping inside a small quiet room and trying to understand what goes on there among those who are shepherds and hearing now tonight, hearing some of the things that they wish for for those that they work with. You know, if we all, if we all are focused and faithful and doing our part, God will open doors for us.
and what we can do in our community and beyond, we just cannot predict. But in all of that, people see a remarkable thing among people who are so diverse, but they love each other, and they work together in a faithful way. And the one thing that happens is that God is glorified. And I hope and pray that that will be the case for you, and I would appreciate your prayers for me and for the church at Newcastle and for God's people everywhere. That in this dark world, we will live our lives, our marriages, our families, local congregations in such a way that glorifies God, that makes Him shine in the eyes of everybody who cares to look and see who we are and what we're all about. Are you committed to serving Christ with all of your heart? If you're not, I hope your heart is burning within you now to change that and to resolve that from this night, October 24th, 2018, from this day forward, it's going to be different. And it doesn't depend on who's sitting next to you. It all together depends on Christ. And you're going to serve him with all you've got. Work with this group of Christians who are trying to do the same thing. If you need to be forgiven of sins that you've not yet been forgiven of, repent of that with faith in Christ that he'll forgive you. And if you need and want the help of Christians here, so maybe some kind of communication with this, within this family is necessary to um, confess those sins and to pray together and get that help, maybe, that's, maybe this is the time for that kind of thing. The one who, uh, who calls you, the one who's died for you, uh, calls us all to stand up, to stand together, and to serve him in this, in this generation. If we can help you tonight in any way to respond to the Savior's call and to his gospel, let us know while we stand to sing this invitation song.